Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where you learn how to create, launch, and promote your own online courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebner, co-hosting with Jeremy Deegan, and today we have an epic guest for all of you, Lindsay Marsh, who is killing it on Skillshare and Udemy. She's made over $10,000 every month for the past six months, and she has done a lot to grow her brand and business really quickly. Uh, especially starting on Skillshare. We're going to learn how to have success on Skillshare, marketing on there, building loyal students and active student communities, engaging with your student base, uh, creating visuals to capture students' attentions. We're going to cover all of this stuff. Really excited. So welcome to the show, Lindsay, and welcome back, Jeremy. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hey, Lindsay and Phil, how's it going? And Jeremy, you actually, uh, you guys have co-created a course together, haven't you guys? Yeah, a couple of courses. It's been a great experience. And yeah, Lindsay is amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, shucks. Jeremy was just telling me before we got on the call together, like you have just, he's always impressed. And I, I'm impressed too, seeing from the sidelines, but he is so impressed with how much you get done and <laughs> how many courses you've created. And he, it's, you're really someone to, to look up to and aspire to be, um, with just how much content you've you've been creating, which is awesome. Yeah, I've been a content creation machine for the last two years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, I mean, it can be stressful, but I just keep cranking out that content. Nice, nice. Well, let's jump into it. And if you can, just talk a little bit more and share your background with us. Uh, and uh, before you got started with teaching online courses. Sure. So for the fast, I've pretty much been my own boss my whole life. I had six months in the financial industry when I graduated uh, from college and realized a cubicle life was not for me. So decided to quit that job and taught myself graphic design. I didn't take any formal classes. I have a marketing degree, but I don't have any uh, formal art classes. So I just went on YouTube and kind of learned the same way my students are learning. So I kind of know from their perspective what it's like to learn design from scratch and trying to figure this out without formal education. So I started kind of getting some clients. I charged a measly $10 for a logo design and then slowly kind of (laughs) built up my skills, built up my client base um, and was able to go full time about 10 years ago. So I've done about 10 years of full time uh, freelance and graphic design and kind of dabbled in web design. And when you're a graphic designer, you kind of do a little bit of everything. You do graphic design, social media design, even UX, UI design. And so as a graphic designer, you can pretty much do everything. So I did that for 14 years. And just about two years ago, I had a six-month-old daughter and I had a two-year-old son. And I'm just kind of doing my client work part-time because I just don't have that much time to dedicate to it. And I'm like, you know, I've been working for other people for 10 years, even though I've been my own boss, because they tell me what they want. I want a logo to look like this. I want that. You know, I want this website done. I'm like, you know, I want to create my own stuff and I want to teach people how to do this because it's been an incredible lifestyle being able to work at home, stay at home with the kids. It's been amazing. So if I could teach people how to do that, get really excited about design, I think I have a unique way of kind of teaching uh, because I am a graphic designer. So everything's visual. So I kind of have that nice visual kind of thing. So I'm like, I think I can make this teaching thing work. And really, I got into the whole, if you ever heard of the FI lifestyle um, Mm -hmm. or FIRE, 
mm-hmm. which is uh, <laughs> you're retiring early, financial independence. And so I'm like, you know, I, I need my side hustle. I want to make an extra $100 a month so I can put it into an investing account. I can retire my husband 10 years earlier. You know, maybe we can retire in our 50s instead of our 60s. So I started, let me just do Adobe Illustrator Masterclass because I spend about 80% of my time as a designer in Adobe Illustrator. It's a high demand software that people want to learn. So I taught a little class. I just had my Apple uh, earbuds, which I didn't know you can record until I figured this out. I just the ones that come with your iPhone, just plug those in. I was able to record and just did screencasting and just did like a two or three hour class, put it on Udemy. Didn't have a whole lot of success with it. But then I just came out with a Photoshop class and then came out with another class. And it wasn't until my fourth or fifth class, I really started to see this amazing traction. And I started to do different things with my class as well. Um, so I'll let you kind of get to the next question. I don't so, want to hijack. <laughs> so how did, how did you find out about online courses and did you start with Udemy or did you start with Skillshare? And I started with Skillshare initially and, and Udemy wasn't far behind. I actually signed up for a Udemy class back in 2015. I signed up to teach and it took me 18 months to finally get it online. But I had the idea years ago. I got it from this whole trying to figure out financial independence, trying to make a little just a little extra side money. That's kind of how I got into teaching mm-hmm. was just kind of hearing on and on blogs and other people saying, hey, this is a way to make a little extra side income. So it started that way, which is a little different than how most people get started in teaching. Got it. Very cool. So with you said you created that Illustrator Masterclass, a Photoshop sort of big general class. What was what was it like to or how did you make your first money on on Udemy? Did you just put the courses out there or did you have any other sort of brand or audience that you could actually promote these courses to when you launched them? I had zero audience when I first started. So that's why the first class I put on there was like, why aren't I making any sales? Well, I didn't have any following. So duh. But I got a few leads. I started to switch it uh, to free for probably two months. And and then I switched it back to paid. And all of a sudden, oh, I'm ranked really high because the reviews were high. And and I didn't get the first class. I actually don't even have on Udemy anymore because it's, I've since retired it. Um, but I think what's helped is, you know, having this continually putting out content and you kind of get the snowball effect where you get a few followers from the first class and then they take your second one and then you get a few new ones. I've had to offer a lot of free coupons in my day to kind of build up that audience, but really it wasn't until the fifth class. Um, so it was the graphic design masterclass. And this is when I wanted to teach a big, big class. Instead of just a three-hour focal class, I did a 12-hour masterclass. So as theory, practical projects, all these different things. And that was kind of that point, that inflection point where revenues really started to go up because it started to really kind of rank high when you search for graphic design. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been my flagship class, my biggest moneymaker probably this entire time. Nothing beats it. And I still can't beat it with new classes. So there's something about the way I crafted that class. And I kind of, the way I do classes a little bit different. I decide instead of, and Jeremy, you know all about this because we did that uh, graphic design theory class and about killed you (laughs) and about killed me. But kind of my idea is what if the entire class can be just like the intro? You know, the intro is polished. It's got visuals. It has music. It's exciting. What if the entire class was crafted that way? Mm. And when it comes to editing, it kills you. But I think students have really got excited about learning graphic design theory 
through this this type of teaching method. There's no PowerPoints. There's no talking heads. It's all showing visuals. I have animations that put together layouts. Just trying to think of really create creative ways to do it. And I think that's what people started to kind of gravitate toward. You know, yeah, we masterclass. We've seen a lot of success in that class that we did together, that graphic design class, because it's just so engaging. And it's it's like watching a, a science channel show. You know, it's just constantly yes. moving <laughs> and taking people. But it, it was very hard. It was very time consuming. We were pulling our hair out trying to get through that. that. I was so stressed um, during and, those months. I was so we, excited when it was over. <laughs> we weren't sure like how well it was going to do. Looking back now, we're like, well, we're glad we did it because that class is, has gone on to do uh, very well. But for the person who might just be starting out creating their first online course, um, would you recommend maybe taking a little more time and putting a little more production into the course? Or would you maybe recommend just doing something not so production intensive and just getting it out there? I would say that my biggest advice is get something out there now, even if you feel like it's not perfect, because I think perfection gets in the way of getting content out and growing your business because we want it to be perfect. But the more content, the more feelers you have out there, the more ways you can grab a new audience, especially if you don't have one, mm -hmm. just do it. Don't feel like it has to be perfect. You're learning. Even if you don't make a lot of money from your first course, it's a huge learning experience. You'll be able to get reviews to then make the second class even better. And then you just continue to make the third class and the fourth class. You know, I've kind of climbed up this mountain by just continually putting out classes and content and content and, and, and really finding out what my audience wants through that. So it's kind of testing the audience. And the only way I could do that is by just getting it out there. So I wouldn't be afraid to be perfect, that the production value has to be great. You'll get there eventually as you get money and income to put back into it. As you kind of learn your audience, you'll spend more time crafting it. And you'll have a little bit more excitement, too, because you'll have a bigger audience and you want to put more kind of production value into it. So, yeah, I would say the best class is the class that you work, you're working on today. That's the best nice. class, not the, you know, and, and get it out there. I love that. I love that. So kind of jumping straight into like creating courses for Udemy versus Skillshare. How do you go about choosing what class you should create for Skillshare versus Udemy? Is it the same thing or do you kind of differentiate the two platforms? I've done a blend of both, um, as I was talking to you before, I started out on Skillshare. So that's kind of my introduction to the online teaching world and kind of how I feel like I should craft classes. And they're two totally different platforms. I construct my classes totally different on both platforms. On Skillshare, they really like those shorter bite-sized classes. You know, 30 minutes seems to be the sweet spot that uh, Kind of my top classes are about 25 to 40 minutes long. Um, they seem to really love the lecture Netflix documentary style videos, and they they tend to not favor super long classes and um, screencast software based classes. They they like them, they'll take them, but they're not quite the the trending classes that you'll see. And you'll see a lot of artistic classes, so graphic design fits right in. I have a few business classes. I teach freelancing. Um, I teach a passive income class. I even have a um, investing class that somehow has 3,500 students. <laughs> I don't know. just taught a 15-minute investing class, and it took off because it's got that same short format. Um, it's all visual, and you know, there's music in, and that just seems to really do well on Skillshare. On Udemy, if I were to put a half-hour class out there, no one would buy it because they don't see the value. It doesn't have all this extra assignments and downloadable content. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a totally different way I craft it. 
um, for Skillshare and Udemy. Got it. So, but just in terms of like coming up with new courses for Skillshare, what, what, are, what's your process for like actually finding a topic? Is it just kind of knowing off the top of your head, this is something that you know of and you haven't taught yet, or are you doing any sort of research to see what's popular on Skillshare or off of Skillshare to come up with those topics? Uh, I'm always doing research. I probably research, uh, I probably refresh the Skillshare trending page a million times a day. <laughs> what's trending? What's hot? Who's doing that? I'll watch their videos and you kind of see repetitive themes and, you know, I'll go to the graphic design section. I'll see that logo design is hugely popular. And so I've tried to crank out a few logo design classes and kind of knowing what's successful in my own portfolio and focusing on, on that and kind of learning what doesn't work and, you know, finding out that people like illustrator classes um, more than Photoshop classes for some reason. And you see that in kind of, if you go to their trending pages, you have, they have certain landing pages for different, and I'm on the business page and the uh, design page. And you just kind of do that research and you can find out what's trending, what's popular, uh, lots of research and kind of seeing what's, what's hot and kind of focusing on that. And I'll even do things that aren't hot because I know my students now that have an audience, I can actually have an audience. I can actually go to them and say, what do you guys want to learn? So I have a couple thousand people in a Facebook group. They're all students. Um, so half of them are Skillshare, half of them are Udemy. And I put out polls. What do you want to learn next? Um, and we do graphic, and we probably get this a little bit later in terms of engaging the community, but I do monthly design challenges where I hold, um, like recently we're doing an infographic design challenge. So they, they're tagged to like a, a special video that I task them them with a little client project to develop an infographic and I'll get 50 or 60 submissions. And then I do a live Facebook uh, feed and I go over everybody's project live. It takes me about an hour and a half, but that hasn't had so much engagement. And I can really find out what projects are hot, what projects people want to work on. And so that's been really helpful. And sorry, what, where were you kind of running those projects through? Was that on Skillshare or on Facebook? I do it on Facebook because I have both my Skillshare and my Udemy students in one group. And so I'm able to do my Facebook page and go live there. And what's great about that is I can capture people who are not on those platforms yet. So that can kind of bring them into that that system as well. So I like doing things off platform because it's hard to get people to do be engaged on the Skillshare platform. It's hard to get people to post projects. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get people to do reviews. But if I can get them to do outside of that and encourage them to maybe post on there, that's great. But I just need to engage them anyway, whether it's on platform or off platform. Got it. Well, people listening to the podcast know that I've always recommended people to put their courses both on Udemy and Skillshare. And I've had success on both. To be completely honest, there's a lot of people in the community and people, just online teachers who give Skillshare a lot of flack and don't like it as a platform because it hasn't worked out for them. Um, I'm hoping that we can get a guest back on here who emailed me the other day. I'm not going to name names because I don't know if he <laughs> wants to be on the show yet, but it, it, I guess it's a guy. He's making over... $40,000 a month on Skillshare. And I know there's many other people on Skillshare making that amount, making more. As a creative who's on YouTube watching videos myself, I'm always getting ads from Skillshare or I'm seeing big influencers promoting Skillshare. So there's a lot to be said for Skillshare doing things the right way. And I don't want to 
just come out here sounding like I'm just defending Skillshare to, to people who, who complain about it. But, um, but I also understand the other side of the picture where people, especially people who aren't into the design artsy classes who, who haven't had a lot of success on Skillshare. So they kind of just, uh, you know, disregard it. That being said, for someone who's just getting started out on Skillshare specifically, what advice do you have for them to kind of get, get it going um, in terms of maybe more marketing side things or tactics for, I don't know, are you putting out your courses for free or giving out, are you trying to push people to Skillshare? How how does someone kind of get started on, on Skillshare? Sure. So for me, uh, I think what my success on Skillshare has come from just continually putting out content similar to Udemy because you you have followers. It's just like basically a little YouTube channel where you can kind of follow a certain channel and it takes a lot of classes to build up the following. So, you know, and what's great about Skillshare is these small little classes you can put on there. You don't have to put a ton of energy and effort. Uh, just create a 30-minute little class to get started, put it out there. Uh, you might only have 10 people join your class. Don't get discouraged. It's very common um, until you start building up the Skillshare followers. But what's great is when you have a second class, you can then post on the community board and email everybody in your first class that your second class is out. And then you get a few natural organic followers and traffic from putting out a class. And the whole goal, it used to be to get over 25 students in your class and you would trend. I think that's been changed a little bit. So I think they've recently did an algorithm change and people are trying to figure out how that algorithm is is working. Um, but then you can release a third class and then it, it kind of continue that flow in terms of building an audience. And it took me, gosh, what almost two years to just get seven 7,500 followers. Mm -hmm. And so it just takes that time. But see, what's great is now when I release a class, I have 50 classes, uh, people, I can email them. There's a little checkbox. So you can e check when you say email to all um, students in that particular class. And you click that box and you can send it to them. And you can also post to all followers because not all followers are students, but not all students are followers. Mm -hmm. So kind of making sure you kind of send it out to students and followers. Uh, but I wouldn't be discouraged if you get low numbers for the first couple classes, it's going to happen. It's a very, it could be frustrating. I could see why people give up, but don't give up, <laughs> you know, learn kind of what your students like. If you have five classes and that one is doing really good, make a sequel to that class, make an intermediate level to that class so that all those other students can market it, kind of send them through a funnel. So if I'm teaching logo design, I teach theory and then I teach you know, practical application and those classes naturally flow from one to another. So creating a series like that that can exist as individual classes, mm -hmm. but can also exist by itself, which is important on Skillshare because series classes or classes that are in some kind of, you know, depend on each other don't do very well. Mm -hmm. Got it. I think that's something that a lot of people don't do even is, and I haven't done myself enough of, is actually promoting and using the tools on Skillshare to promote any new courses, like sending emails to your students when you launch a new course. It's just like on Udemy, sending a promotional announcement, basically. Um, but that's something that people, I guess, aren't aren't that aware of. So I think that's, that's really cool just to take advantage of, of the tools on Skillshare. Is there anything else? I mean, I see on your website, you are, you've got links to people, uh, to your Skillshare classes on your, your website. Um, are you also pushing people to Skillshare on YouTube or any other 
place you're promoting or are you sending people to Udemy? This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy, the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com academy to join today. Mostly, I'm kind of doing a bit of both because I find that students either have a subscription service because they have a lot of the Udemy access to Udemy classes that are on Skillshare. They either kind of have one or the other. Mm-hmm. So these are going to be kind of on in the Udemy system and buying one off courses or they're going to be in the subscription and they're not going to be buying one off courses. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of this divided audience. Um, so when I release a class, I'm now doing simultaneous releases. So I'll release, let's say, you know, a graphic design class on Udemy. I'll also launch it on Skillshare the same day. So when I send it out on my Facebook page and to the student, I think the biggest place I advertise that's the most effective and converts the best is my Facebook student group. Mm-hmm. They've already taken the class. They're already, they're already bought into the system. You know, they want to take another class. They enjoyed my classes. Um, so I'll send it out there, but I'll send out both links and they get to choose. So they can do, here's my Skillshare. Here's my Udemy. You decide which which direction you want to go in. So if you already have, have a subscription you know, you don't have to pay anything extra, which is kind of the benefit to Skillshare. But with Udemy, I, I tend to make a little bit more money on volume because mm-hmm. Udemy is a, a much bigger marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, just, I was I was going to ask you if I'm a new student and maybe I have a small following. It's not uh, a giant following or email list. Um, and maybe I'm a graphic designer, uh, some topic that would work good in Skillshare and on Udemy at the same time. Which would you recommend for someone starting out? Should should they do Skillshare starting out? Should they do Udemy? Should they self-host? Should they put them everywhere? What would you recommend for that person starting out? They can't decide which platform to go to. I would. Uh, Skillshare is a lot uh, easier to kind of handle. Uh, the class sizes are smaller and do better at the smaller sizes. Uh, you don't have to quite have as much downloadable content and all this extra content. Uh, so it's a little more approachable, I think, on Skillshare. But I would very shortly after establishing maybe a, a one or two classes on there to look at Udemy, because that's kind of where you can really scale in terms of income. You just have just a much bigger audience, but you have to have much longer classes to succeed. You could still have a two-hour class class and it's amazing and it could sell very well on Udemy, but I tend to find 10 hour, eight hour courses do so much better on Udemy. And so that's, that's a lot to take on as someone who's just trying to put their feelers out and make a little side income or find out of teachings for them. Um, it can be a little intimidating to do a 10 hour masterclass and you, you know, you're still tr- tr- figuring out how to record audio and video and graphics and editing and and doing that on a uh, on a much smaller scale on Skillshare might be a little more approachable, but I definitely think you should get started on both as soon as you can because they can both be money makers if you you know craft your classes in the way it will succeed on that platform. Nice. And can you just um, if you can kind of break down for on Skillshare, like you just started a couple years ago, it sounds like. Um, About two years ago in the summer. Yeah, the summer will be two years. That's incredible. I remember I had a six month old, um, (laughs) six month old. I'm sitting here recording classes and they were at home with me and I'm like, this is hard. This is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. So two years to basically build up 
it seems like a fairly regular income of over $10,000. How much are you making on Skillshare versus Udemy at this point? Uh, it depends. I mean, um, Udemy is up and down depending on sales. You have the big Black Friday sale. Mm-hmm. There's January. For some reason, April was a really good month or actually the month March was a really good month on Udemy. But then you have last month, which was it was a tough month. It just wasn't a lot of really consistent sales. Mm-hmm. So it's really sales driven. It depends on the month. Income can go up and down and up and down. I, it rarely goes up twice and rarely goes down twice. It seems to really it has to go up and then go down. <laughs> this is how Udemy works. And then Skillshare is just kind of this hockey stick not quite a hockey stick, but this kind of very slow growth curve, mm-hmm. um, very consistent, um, but it's not shooting to the moon, but it's been just kind of a little bit each month. It doesn't backtrack as much as mm-hmm. Udemy does in terms of income. So it's more consistent, but it's not as much as Udemy. So I'd say maybe a, a 60-40 split most months, 60% is Udemy and Skillshare will be about 40%, uh, cool. but that can change a little bit from month to month. But Skillshare recently, their earnings pay per minute has gone up just a little bit more than usual. So that's kind of brought income up temporarily. Yeah. So I don't know how, you're also dependent on how much you get paid per minute, which of <laughs> course is determined on the royalty pool. And that's based on how, how much Skillshare has made every month yeah. from subscribers. So that's all dependent on that. So I'm kind of at the mercy of all these unknown things. And that's why I'm looking to be on my own platform by the end of the summer, just to add a third backup revenue stream, just in case something happens with these two platforms. I could protect my income. I could protect my assets, which are my videos. So hosting on your own platform, are you going to just take the courses that you've already created and put them on that platform? Or is this going to be new content? Um, it's going to be a mix of both, but I have so much kind of about 70 hours of specific graphic design content. I thought about starting in a, like a graphic design boot camp or academy where I put I craft basically a 40 hour course and it'll basically supplement like a two year kind of degree. Everything they would learn there, they would learn in my 40 hour class and I would charge a significant amount or not a significant amount, but kind of an entry level price and then have another tier where I provide one on one coaching. I've had a lot of demand for people. Hey, can you do a phone call, a Skype? I just want to talk to you about, you know, career advice and things like that. Um, Kind of have like two tiers where I have kind of this one on one coaching package they can add to it. And then if not, they could just take the whole 40 hour large course, which on Udemy, I only have a 10 hour. It's probably the longest I have. So this would just be everything. And I would just craft it where I would just try to take the best of everything I have and put it in there and leave out anything I feel like is kind of average content and then add new stuff, you know, to that. So that's going to definitely be a multi that's going to be a six month endeavor to get all that perfect to launch it. But I'm excited about being able to use Facebook ads because I've learned a lot about Facebook ads and um, trying to get people to convert that way, which is totally different than kind of what I'm having to do right now, which is just working with organic traffic and followers. So let's talk about your followers and your audience. Um, it sounds like when you started out, you didn't have much of an audience. And I, I know from knowing you that uh, through your Facebook group and different means, you're building up your followers. But what does your audience look like? What what uh, platforms are you using to grow an audience? How are you doing that? And tell us a little bit uh, about like your email list, YouTube channel and, and those things. Sure. Well, right now, YouTube is just kind of a place where I put promo videos, but I'll put little teasers on there. Um, I've been uploading my live Facebook um, 
project reviews that I do with students. I put those up there. I haven't gained a ton of tra uh, traction on YouTube. I only have about 2,200 subscribers. It's not huge compared to a lot of other people that are, you know, close to me in revenue. It's not big. Um, and uh, Facebook, Facebook page is growing, but, you know, I only have, you know, a thousand followers on there. But my student page between the three or four groups, I have about 5,000 students. And these aren't just followers. I mean, these are just not YouTube followers. These are actual students. They paid for a class. They've subscribed to Skillshare and they're taking classes. So the value of those 5,000 people could be 200,000 YouTube followers. So just kind of getting those high value followers mm -hmm. there and capturing capturing them there by giving them free content, posting helpful advice. Uh, every project they post on the Facebook group, I have a couple of them, I try to give personal feedback on everyone who posts a project. And that takes about an hour a day, but it really just, I mean, it, they come back, they do, they give me reviews. They, there's a lot of ways in which that that is a beneficial relationship that I put a little time to help them out. They help me out. It's it's kind of, an, and I enjoy helping them out. So that kind of also helps. Um, <laughs> just putting a little time into kind of building that, those student relationships. And there's probably 40 students in there. I feel like I really know well, which is incredible. And they're like uh, ambassadors for me. So they go out and say, Lindsay Marsh's classes are awesome. I'm like, great, free marketing. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just not big on the YouTube. Uh, my Instagram is pathetic. I have <laughs> 450 uh, followers on Instagram. I've been trying to post something every day. I did the whole 36 days of Adobe where you put a letter each day. That was I awesome, get, by the way. Yeah. I watched them. Uh, I, I didn't love, comment, love but I watched that. every one of them. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I stopped at O. I was like, I'm tired. <laughs> so I might do a couple more letters, but uh, that's a lot. 26 letters is a lot, but that grew a little bit of audience, but it's just, I'm not into the whole, I'm going to follow you. You follow me back. I'm going to yeah. post see my wall or see my, see my, uh, Instagram account, check me out. I just don't do that stuff. I don't have time for that. It, yeah. Um, it, it seems like it's like a case study that I have found myself that for some people, social media works at growing an audience, but for some people it doesn't. And it's, it's, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because you can grow a business without social media, actually. And exactly. while it would be great, it would be great. If, and there's no real reason from what I've seen. There's no reason why like your YouTube ch channel hasn't blown up because you're posting good stuff and the quality of your videos is great or your Instagram page. There's no reason it's hard to find a specific reason. So it, it makes me question like, yeah, should I, or should you be spending so much time doing those things for Instagram where if you put that time into just making more courses or, or maybe it's, just focusing on I, one platform or just focusing on doing more projects with your Facebook communities, that's probably for you at the end of the day, what's going to, to have the best return on your investment. And speaking of all this, I mean, give us some tips and advice for like, how, how are you creating so much content <laughs> with your time? I mean, it sounds like, so you probably have like a two-year-old and a four-year-old now. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, they're in school during the day, okay. but um, you know, we try to pick them up early and do things with them on Fridays. And my husband has a flexible schedule. So 
we both kind of go to the coffee house all morning and work and then, you know, it's kind of nice. But, um, yeah, in terms of content, I kind of got a little obsessed. I mean, I guess that's kind of the trick is to get obsessed about it yeah. and just be like, oh, I, I can create this. Oh, I can do that. And I can. And you just get this. It's just more of a passion. Like I stay up till you can ask my husband. I stay up till, you know, one or two o'clock a lot of nights, not every night. But when I'm really into something, I can't put it down until it's finished. I can't put it down. And when you're doing a 10-hour course, that that takes a lot. That's a long time not putting it down. So, yeah, it has, there's a passion involved with it. It has to be. If you're creating this much content, you got to be passionate about what you're creating. And that's why it's really important to choose something you know, but also choose something you love and that you just get excited about. Um, so I get excited about typography. I'm such a design nerd. So when I'm doing something on typography and I'm in the shower, I'm like, oh, I can teach it this way and I can teach sans serif, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and I find visual ways ways to put that together and then you you can't go to sleep i'm not going to go to sleep until i get that <laughs> recorded so yeah i mean i guess that's kind of my trick and i've kind of streamlined everything i just use one software screenflow which nice. phil you know screenflow mm -hmm. very well i just do everything there and i don't do talking heads and i think that's the key for me cranking out so much content because talking heads takes a lot of editing you got to do color correction up, you yep. got to zoom in yeah there's so much things you got you got to set up your studio to record talking heads i don't have any of that so I do script sometimes for my theory lessons, I'll write it out. I can write out a lesson in maybe five minutes because it's just coming out of my head. A lot of times I'll do speech dictation so I don't have to write it out. I'll just talk and go back and correct it. And then I'll record it and then I just start adding in the visuals. And sometimes I'm grabbing visuals from other classes or I'll do a little side project I did. I can grab that visual. Um, so, yeah, just kind of doing this so many times, you just kind of click it all together quickly and you just just kind of crank it out and well, only having one software to use kind of really helps, helps, helps out with that. Those are some good tips. What, um, what dictation software are you using? Oh, just the one that comes on the Mac. Nothing complicated. Nice. Just when awesome. you see the little, just on the type or on the, on word, or you could do it on the, uh, what is it called? Notes or do it on my phone. Yeah. You just get on your phone and just do the sp speech dictate on your notes and crank it out. And then you email it to yourself and then you can, record it, you know, paragraph by paragraph, and then you're done. You can get a whole lesson done in, you know, 10 minutes. Very cool. Um, I mean, it doesn't sound like you're like binge watching Game of Thrones or anything lately. I am actually, okay. and I'm really <laughs> anticipating <laughs> the next episode. I'm so excited. I can't believe last episode, but I'm not going to give away any spoilers. I'll get my head cut off. But yeah, I, I definitely do my Netflix at night, but okay. you know, maybe every other night. Hey, Help for all of out. our all of our listeners out there, these are two of the hardest working people that I've ever met. Phil and Lindsay just put out so much content, and I'm always blown away by all the stuff they're doing. So I think there's something they know that I don't know, and when I figure it out, I'll let y'all know. <laughs> I, <you laughs> they're know, drinking green smoothies or something. It, I, I know yes, there's something. Grab a cup of coffee. Make you all sure this it's energy. extra caffeinated. You'll be on. <laughs> the, the thing, the honest, the honest truth. I'll break it down. Is that. <laughs> From what I know, there's no morning routine. There's no course that you have to take. There's no nothing that you can actually like learn how to do this. It's what Lindsay said, and it's just that passion for getting something out there, for creating something that I, I think most successful online course creators have. Anyone who's successful about anything has. Is just we have that passion for getting it out there and then we just do it and we just find the time to do it. And I think that's an honest gauge whether you really want to do this if it's 
if it's taking you so long to get something out there, if you're even if it's if you're trying to be too perfect perfect about something, um, if you're so passionate about doing something, you're just going to get it done. And so I know some people their schedules are different. It, it's going to be harder to find time to do it. Um, even in our recent episodes, I've talked about how I've cut back on so many things that I'm doing just because my schedule changed once I had kids. Um, but with the projects that I am still doing, I still just make that time or figure out a way to do it. I figure out a way to outsource it. I figure out a way to, to simplify the process. I love what you said about how, you know, for you just not doing the talking head video well, that's something that I've recommended for many people to boost the quality, to create more engagement with your followers. It's not necessary for everyone. And by cutting that out, it's allowed you to create more, more content. So I guess that's just a little truth to, to, I, I don't believe there's like necessarily a secret that we can share here on the podcast. That's going <laughs> to allow everyone to be more productive, unfortunately. Right. It's got to just be there in your mind and your heart, you know, and you can't teach that. You just have to have it. And, yeah. and you'll know when you have it, you'll, you'll feel it. You'll, you're not, you're not going to want to stop working. So, and you so know, you have you, it when you don't want to stop working. Have there, have there ever been any, um, courses or videos or anything that you just, you weren't feeling that project and you just said you just gave up on it and moved on to the next thing? Um, I've always been pretty stubborn and I went ahead and finished it. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not going to waste. I just, you know, spent three hours. I'm not going to waste my three hours. I'm going to use this content somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of times there'll be projects. Um, maybe I do a, a graphic project to show, but then I end up scrapping it, but I'll still use it as an example in another class. So there, I have this library of kind of um, projects that I didn't like or I didn't quite like the visual look at that. I can still grab that and use it uh, to show as examples since, you know, nice. I don't do a talking head. I have a lot of visuals I have to show to people constantly. So I'm, I'm always looking for ways to incorporate projects like the type project the where I did a, a letter a day. You know, I'll, I'll probably use that in a typography class in the future. That's cool. And show all 26 letters as a complete set, even though they didn't really give me a lot of Instagram followers. I'm still <laughs> going to be used all the time. I put a lot of time in those letters. Yeah, I'm still awesome. going to be able to use that as an asset in a course and have them fly in a really cool way. And it looks like I spent hundreds of hours on it, but I didn't. You need, you need <laughs> Sorry, a finish. I just killed a finish spider that was <laughs> coming that. down from my sh boom mic. <laughs> I'd be out the door. I'd be out the door. I don't do I didn't do that with my bare hands. <laughs> Um, so, but I, but yeah, keep it rolling with it. Um, <laughs> so as a graphic designer though, are you using any sort of templates for your videos or your designs or any tools that you can recommend for people just to be able to like create the content faster? Sure. Um, I use pexels.com mm -hmm. for a lot of stock photography. And since I'm a designer, I can really kind of combine that to my own little amalgam graphic. And uh, what I've done recently is I'll take stock footage from like Pixabay and all those kind of free video resources where it's Creative Commons License Zero, which means you don't have to give credit. You could mm -hmm. just use it however you'd like. I've been putting that into my uh, kind of intros and doing color grading. And there's something called false color, which I'm sure, Phil, you know about that. It's kind of like almost adds like a duotone effect. So just kind of adding these funky colors to make it my own 
kind of graphic uh, mm-hmm. doesn't look like stock photography anymore. It doesn't look like stock. It looks like a video I created and filmed. Mm-hmm. And just finding ways to take the stock stuff, but making it your own. I'll zoom in on a certain way. I'll add a texture on top of it and just, just little ways to tweak it so I don't have to sit there and do all my own stuff. I can grab, you know, a graphic there. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to use as many free resources also saves a ton of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of those free websites are amazing. I use, you probably recognize if you're on Pexels and you look at the videos, you'll recognize a lot of my videos, <laughs> but I craft them in ways to make it look like it's unique stock footage. Yeah. So Cool. Yeah. And we'll, we'll include links to all these websites that Lindsay is uh, mentioning in the show notes for this episode, which is going to be at onlinecoursemasters.com slash eight four. Um, we got to wrap it up, but I, I got to ask you a little bit more about your marketing. You talked about just having a lot of success, just putting out a lot of content, putting out more courses, more courses. But what are you doing or are you doing anything in terms of creating any sort of other like actual marketing funnels with an email list or anything like that? I haven't done, I have an email list collecting, but I'm not promoting it very much. It's on my website, join the uh, newsletter or something, but Mm -hmm. I think I've collected a a few people in there. But in terms of actively doing the email stuff, I'm kind of depending on the platforms right now. So Skillshare and Udemy to kind of be my email platform of choice, because that's kind of how, where I'm at. And like I said, Facebook is really my email list to most people. That's my funnel is my Facebook groups. And that's kind of been my biggest success in terms of marketing. So I've really just focused on that and giving them, since it's a private group and they have to be a student to, to join, just giving them content that other people aren't. And, and I'm letting other people know on my main business page kind of what they're missing out on, kind of what you get access to. is this fantastic group of amazing students. It's a wonderful group. We're all nice to each other. We're not, you know, saying your design is awful. I mean, we're just, it's just a fantastic group of people. And then just kind of using that as my main kind of email list. I just not, I mean, when I'm on my own platform, absolutely. I think I'm going to really need to start building that email list. Yeah. Um, but for right now, Facebook is kind of where it's at for me in terms of kind of how I'm doing external marketing. Cool. So what do you, what do you see as the uh, future for your business in the next, you know, one year to five years, where, where would you like to take it and what would you like to see your uh, business become? Oh boy. Well, I mean, I want to kind of be the go-to stop for anybody learning design, but I mean, eventually, I mean, my first passion and love is finance and personal finance. I would love to be able to kind of start move into a whole different industry mm. and, and teach personal finance. Uh, that would kind of be a dream of mine. So that could be a whole nother industry I go into in terms of creating content to help people budget, to help people get out of debt, all those things. That would I would love to kind of build a personal brand around that, write books um, and still do design because design is what I've done my entire career. And I enjoy design and kind of doing that as, as long as it's working. Um, so kind of expanding into different industries and kind of seeing what what's new. And I think I stay if I stay in design for 10 years, I'd be afraid of burnout like anybody would. But if I shifted industries and maybe did a little bit of both and just kind of see where it went, I'd love to do that. Very cool. I'm glad you mentioned the personal finance stuff. And it's something I'm like super passionate about myself. Yeah. And it's one of the it's like out of anything, it's the the blogs, the podcasts that I listen to the most are personal finance. I am a huge Mr. Money Mustache fan. Yeah, and, MMM. Yeah, good, so, uh, face punch right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's something we don't actually talk about enough in this podcast or at all. I know it's not directly, you know, what maybe some of our listeners want to 
hear about. But but I think it's also important to not only be smart about growing a business, but know how to you know invest and, and save. And especially being someone who's a, a freelancer or um, an entrepreneur, it it's important to be smart with your money. So I got a question just for you. Just what, what is your kind of like overall game plan with your finances with, you mentioned fire and retiring early. Um, and what advice do you have for, for anyone who's listening to, to be smart with their, their money as an entrepreneur? Right. Oh, that's a great question. So, you know, kind of my goal is try to save as much as I can for my teaching income, you know, 90% of possible and just sock it away into a, a balanced you know, mutual fund, maybe combination of individual stocks, um, you know, do some venture capital type stuff. I'd love to buy a duplex. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a landlord before, so I know kind of how crazy that is, but I'd love to own a couple of duplexes and kind of have, you know, some rental income. I'd love to, you know, retire my husband someday, you know, I don't know. Um, I, he loves his job, but, um, you know, I'd love to travel more 10 years from now. I'd love to, you know, do the cruise around the world. I hate flying. But I'd love to like do a little cruise where you go around, just kind of enjoy life, but have work really hard now so that when my kids are, you know, seven or eight, I could just take a month off and go to Disney World and just kind of be financially set where I don't have to work, but I want to work. Yeah. And I think that's the big power of FIRE is being financially independent where you get to make the choices in your life, not based on money, but based on passion. And you have the money there to back you up if you want to pursue whatever you want. So it's, it's true financial freedom. Cool. And, Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Good stuff. And it's also secretly a, a goal passion of mine. I've always thought about creating a completely different brand just related to personal finance and teaching kind of similar skills that you, you threw out there too. So maybe in the future, you're going to see a, a podcast episode or a new podcast or course or something with Phil and Lindsay talking about personal finance. Oh, I'd love to. I got a lot of history with it. I'm pretty knowledgeable. So yeah, hit me up anytime. I'd love to, to co do something like that. That's Very, definitely my my true underground hidden passion. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, uh, I'm going to ask you one more question. Um, just your final piece of advice for someone who's getting started out um, as an online course creator and who's um, either stuck or just nervous to get started. What's your final uh, piece of advice? But before, while you think about that, I just want to ask everyone who's listening um, to leave a review for the show. Uh, going to give it a shout out to one of our um, reviewers from iTunes. We've been trying to do this in the show more often just to shout out people who and thank people who have actually been leaving a review. So shout out to Abby54467 on iTunes who said, great podcast. I love this podcast. I'm new to online course creation and I'm learning a ton from this podcast. Well worth the listen. So again, thank you so much for all of our listeners. Um, if you can take a moment right now to leave a review wherever you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever it is, and hit that subscribe button too. I know a lot of listeners listen, but um, aren't actually subscribed. So make sure you hit that subscribe button. The podcast is absolutely free. And if you subscribe, you get every new episode when it launches every week. So anyways, Lindsay, thank you again for being on the show. And what's your final piece of advice for someone just getting started? Um, launching a class today is worth more than launching a class tomorrow. So get started. <laughs> Never nice. too late. I love it. I love it. Yeah, just get it done. And hopefully everyone listening has learned a lot from Lindsay. I think we could continue talking with her and 
Uh, would love to have you back in the future and uh, excited to see where you take your business. It's amazing what you've done just in two years. So, um, I mean, I, I can say faster growth than I had in my first two years and faster than a lot of people. So you're doing a lot of things right. Um, so congrats on that. And uh, thank you again for being on the show and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure you check out OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes, to enroll in our academy, and to join a free community of fellow course creators who can help you out. Also, if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. Now it's time to get to work. So go make some online courses and help us teach the world.